Hi, I'm Stephanie Lauren, your host of the Think You podcast. I'm a mindset facilitator, self-doubt and relationship coach, taking you on a journey of inner growth and emotional mastery, where we dive deep and shift your focus onto things that actually matter. Self-love and abundance are easily available to us when we learn to fully trust ourselves, our journey and our power. Each episode aims to bring you to the leading edge of thought, deepen your understanding of who you really are, and give you unconventional perspectives that inspire you to be the best version of you. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. So I have the beautiful Jessie Williams, women's health and mindset coach, and she's just a light to the world. And we have always been on such a similar journey. And the messages and how we express ourselves is always correlated, I would say. So without further ado, welcome to my podcast, Jessie Williams. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. It's so weird being on the other end, as I imagine it would have been like for you with yeah. having your own podcast. Whenever you interviewed, it's like, hey, normally I'm asking the questions, but no, I'm excited. Yeah, no, well, I actually have you to thank because when I listened to our podcast, it was terrifying for me because I thought I had a really bad voice and really funny because it's completely changed my whole journey since being on your podcast because I realized, oh my God, I actually don't sound that bad and I love to talk. So why haven't I done this sooner? But then it came up in my meditation, like a regression meditation. And I went back to when I was 14 years old singing karaoke and like I had a karaoke machine and my uncle was he's a plasterer and he was fixing up the house and he heard me sing and he came and he laughed at me. And ever since I stopped singing and I love to sing and I love to do all that stuff. But I was like, I asked my intuition. I was like, why didn't I ever think of starting a podcast? And it just took me to that memory. So I was like, forever grateful for you and having me on because I actually don't know if I would have started a podcast if you hadn't asked to interview me. So that's so really- crazy. <laughs> I feel like people like us definitely need podcasts because we like to go deep and it's, it's like, yes, on Instagram, you can, on your stories, you can talk about a certain amount, but it's like, no, let's take this to the next level. And the best way to do that is hundred percent through talking on a podcast for sure. Yeah. Well, it's how we express ourselves as women. I just think we love to gossip but why don't we channel that gossiping energy onto the depth of like really intimate relationships and discussions that actually shift what's what we're trying to express on our hearts, you know? And I love everything about what you share on your Instagram and what you do. So did you want to introduce people that didn't know what you do and kind of what typical clients you get to work with you? Yeah, for sure. So I am a women's health fitness mindset coach. So That stemmed from me starting off just as a personal trainer and kind of like developing and stuff like that and realizing that so much about health and fitness and why people can't stick to what they do isn't anything to do with the plan or it's not to do with the strategy and it's nothing to do with what's wrong with them. It's more to do with what's going on below the surface in terms of how their own mind is self-sabotaging them or, you know, setting them up to fail and them not really giving themselves the best opportunity. So what we do is more of a holistic approach in terms of working on the mindset, what's driving people, what's limiting them, what are their fears, their insecurities, their beliefs that are holding them back, and then really shifting those so that they actually can give themselves the best opportunity to thrive in terms of their training, um, their nutrition, and living more of a healthy and holistic lifestyle. Yes. And I love, like, obviously we all have our own niche in this whole, I would suppose, call it like a light working kind of modality where we're really shifting our girls into alignment. So I can see, obviously you talk a lot about nutrition and binge eating because that's your journey and that's where you wish you had someone to help lead you in that time. So do you want to go more into your story and kind of how you shifted from old Jesse to new Jesse? Yeah. Wow. Um, this is like, obviously, uh, 10, like 10 years worth. I'm going to compile, um, as quickly as I can. Um, But basically when I was in high school, I would say about year 10, I had really bad eating habits, lifestyle habits. I didn't even know what health was. It just like, so I'm talking like 2010. It just wasn't a thing to be healthy back then. And then, yeah, I basically had 
you know, just develop my, my brother had got his license. And when I was in year 10, he was in year 12 and like at school lunch times, he'd be like, do you want to go do a Macca's run and stuff like that. So just so much fast food takeaway or the typical, every time I've got my period, I would eat like literally a whole block of chocolate to myself. Like, and I did not see anything wrong with that. Or, you know, I used a lot of food for comfort, but I, I didn't realize I had no idea. And I was putting on a lot of weight because I'd gone from a really sporty kid to being like letting go of all my sports, tennis, dancing, and things like that. So letting go of all of the movement that I had as a young girl, my diet and lifestyle getting worse, you know, at like 16, 17, um, highly do not encourage, but I had a lot of older friends and I started getting into binge drinking and partying and I had a fake ID and I'll go night clubbing. And like as a 16, 17 year old girl, like that's just not a lifestyle. Like it's so far from where I'm at now, but um, I was putting on a lot of weight and I didn't even realize it wasn't like I was feeling crap about it or anything. It was just happening. And then I remember New Year's, I think 2010 coming into 2011, I was going to a party and I was like literally trying a dress on and the dress just like wouldn't zip up. And I was like, what the hell? And I just looked in the mirror and all of a sudden it's like I saw an entirely different human being. Like I'd gone from, you know, just like general mild insecurity to like who is this person looking back at me and where where did all this weight come from and when did this happen? And I literally spiraled. It all smacked me in the face at once and I have not talked about this to many people at all. I don't even think I've spoken about it on my own podcast, but like it hit me so hard at once that I found myself over the toilet trying to make myself sick because I was just like looked and I was like disgusted and like I didn't end up making myself sick. I ended up crying at the fact I was even trying to make myself sick and it's like, what, whoa, what is all of this? And I, I pulled myself together and I went and picked um, another dress that, that fit me. And I went to the party and stuff, but from that moment, that's where I was like, all right, I need to change my lifestyle. Um, I started, I had no idea how to even healthy eat. I think I Googled healthy eating and I found a personal trainer within the area. So I started personal training, like working with a personal trainer, getting into health and fitness and stuff like that, which kind of like led me on my journey. But a lot of it was very much, this is the right way. And a lot of like restrictive kind of eating. I was trying to follow like a paleo lifestyle, which is polar opposite to what I do now. But um, yeah, trying to follow like a paleo lifestyle and things like that. And then I got onto my first ever, I guess you could say flexible dieting coach after that. And actually started working with the coach, both personal training and then more helping with me with my nutrition, which gave me more of a flexible approach, right? And I started learning about nutrition. I started learning about the body, what created fat loss, what created weight gain, all of that kind of stuff. And, oh, you know, I can eat some chocolate and still lose weight and stuff like that but I was pulling my calories back so far and I was tracking all of these numbers and I was so desperate to lose weight, which mind you, I did. I got under the sixties, like in like, I think I was down to like 57 kilos, which for me is pretty small. And I still didn't see a 57 kilogram girl. Like I was like, who, what the hell? Like nothing's working. I can't lose weight. And then I just hit this point where I was like, you know, I've been dieting, I've been exercising, I'm doing all the right things and I still look how I do. And that's when my binging and body dysmorphia really flared up. So I was obviously seeing an entirely different girl in the mirror. I wasn't restricting by any means, but I was perpetually in that diet, sort of like restrict binge cycle. I was, the binging was so extreme and um, it took me maybe three years to even work out what binge eating disorder was. I was just always dealing with this thing, which I thought was normal and and I didn't have enough willpower and I wasn't disciplined enough to stick to the plan. So I just kept trying to go harder on the restriction and then the binging got worse. And my insecurity was, oh, I just, I thought nothing of my external appearance. Like I would look at myself in the mirror and I, the stuff I would say to myself about how disgusting I was and yeah, it was pretty intense. And then once I kind of found an article about binge eating disorder and I was like, well, I'm ticking all these boxes. So I started going on more medical web journals and things like that and started reading. And I was like, wow, okay, I'm really ticking the boxes. I told my mom and my mom was like, oh, like, I don't think you binge. And then I was like, hey, here's everything that's happening in private. And my mom was like, whoa, okay, you need to go see someone. Cause I would binge to the point I would be physically sick and I couldn't stop eating. And then I would take all of the wrappers. Literally, this is like just one of those, I look back now and I'm like, oh my God, how did I just do that for so long? 
but I would go to the bin, pick up rubbish, put the rubbish from all of the stuff I'd binge and then put other rubbish on top of it because there's so much shame and guilt that comes with the binge. So I would be so embarrassed if anyone knew. So I would hide it from people. So I told my mum what was going on and she was like, yep. And I said, I think I need help. And she was like, yep. I booked in with my doctor. I got a mental health plan, went and saw a psychologist and stuff like that and just really started changing my approach with um, training and nutrition. The psychologist was like the first thing which which really helped me. This is quite, a, it sounds pretty quick, but it was took like a few months and stuff. So the psychologist was the thing which really helped with my journey and stuff like that. But what ultimately got me where I am now, which is having a good relationship with food was because when I was working with the psychologist, I still had a diet mentality. Um, the thing that really healed my relationship with food was letting go of the need to diet and letting go of the need to have a weight loss goal. I started eating more intuitively and just like trusting my body. Initially, when I started intuitively eating, I put on about six kilos, but I was the happiest I've ever been in my body. So even though I was heavier, I was like, who is this chick who's like so empowered in her body? And like, I just barely even knew myself. And then um, the six kilos naturally came back off because when I first started intuitively eating, it was like, oh, oh my God, I can eat. So I was like eating a lot. Um, and then the, I guess the, that kind of wore off and then the weight naturally came back down and I've stayed the same weight for over 12 months, which I've oh, maybe like nearly two years now, which my whole life I was like up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, like between 10 kilos, like 10 kilos on, 10 kilos up, 10 kilos on. So to just maintain my weight without tracking everything and yeah, just being more in tune with my body. So that's basically 10 years wrapped up into five, 10 minutes, but um, yeah. And now with where I'm at, I help a lot of girls go through the same. So I do attract, it's not the only type of woman I work with, but I definitely attract a lot of girls with binging problems who really, really need help from someone who has been through it and understands. And I think that a lot of the time my clients will say stuff and I'm like, yeah. And I bet, you know, you felt like this or you had this thought and they're like, oh my God, it's like you're in my brain. And I'm like, cause I was in your brain. So yeah, I definitely attract a lot of clients who have really bad relationships with food, whether it's food anxiety, you know, binging problems and things like that, and really help them learn to let go. And as I said, at the start with what we do with the mindset workout, what limiting beliefs have created the binging in the first place which is usually the perfectionist, I'm not enough kind of mindset and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And firstly, thank you so much for getting that vulnerable because I get it. Like I've been there and the self-talk in the mirror when you just are in that disgust and shame, just not recognizing yourself and it's all at once is a punch in the face. I remember that moment for myself as well. And I'd put on put on like 26 kilos and yeah, it was hormonal and things, but it was definitely that restriction and control of food that leads into the binging because you've deprived yourself. Like it's the other end of this, you know, when you deprive yourself, you're going to purge and yeah. And usually I just, wow, I really relate to that whole journey and it's so beautiful that girls have you because it's so hard to speak up about especially when there's no finish line to healing. However, that part of you has healed. And it's hard as a coach to kind of have that self-belief in self and be like, well, am I ready to help women with this? Because there are certain aspects I'm healing, but I'm way ahead of what I was. And that reflection is huge. And so I bet like retelling that and saying you haven't really told many people about it, just reflecting on the emotion then to how you are now. It's just that powerful pride. And that's what we want women to feel in themselves. So it's really beautiful. And I just think you're changing lives. Your business is expanding so much in COVID because we are forced to sit with ourselves and that boredom, we can either invest in doing something about the problem, which is the mindset that something's wrong with me. And I definitely feel like when you're trying to control in this willpower game, thinking that you don't have the willpower to stay disciplined as women, we're not meant to be disciplined like men, we're meant to flow. It's meant to be intuitive and fun and spontaneous. And we're meant to trust that we can live a life without control that has still a pattern. It's just not a controlled pattern. It's a flexible way of living. And I think that's what you're introducing women to that part of themselves and trusting themselves in that way. And it's really beautiful that you can relate 
in that mindset. And yeah, I just love your whole journey. Also, I can tell that people look up to your business and how it's expanding because you do share a lot of insight there. So do you want to share like more about how your business has expanded, where it did start to where it's come now? Yeah, of course. So I started, I've got a background in PR and communication. So I've got a bachelor of PR. So that's where I started in that corporate kind of world. And then I had a full career change, went into personal training, was doing on-floor PT, as well as doing, you know, a little bit of doubling in online stuff as well. I was heavily undercharging. I was like really knew that I had a lot to give, but I didn't believe I was worthy of like receiving, receiving back. So I was definitely, I would say over delivering, undercharging for quite a while. But I think like, I look back and I'm like, oh, my systems were so messy. But honestly, I think if you're starting out systems, I, I look back now and I'm like, they're honestly like the last of your worries. So much of what I thought I needed was the last thing I needed. And what I really needed was like the last thing I would look at. So what I mean by that is I think a lot of women in businesses and starting businesses and stuff, we're looking at too much on the out of shell of our business and the aesthetics of our business in terms of our branding and what does our Instagram feed look like and how many followers do we have? And like, Oh, I couldn't get a client if I don't have, you know, 5,000 followers or, you know, all of this stuff, what's my logo like? And I'm like, none of that really matters. And it's everything that I thought mattered. What really matters a hundred percent is what's going on inside your business. And if you don't have a logo and if you don't have a fancy website and you don't have a lot of followers, but you can just get a couple of people in into your program to work with you and you can serve them like an absolute boss motherfucker to the point that they, you know, you really over deliver and give them a life changing experience. Well, you're then going to get more clients without paying a cent. And that's just word of mouth. That's referral. So if you can literally just focus on serving so freaking well that you get more clients just through word of mouth, then it doesn't matter that you don't have a lot of Instagram followers because you don't have to be chasing, chasing, chasing your client. You're attracting just through doing the work that you do. So I guess advice wise, just really make sure you're focusing on the stuff that matters and not, not the pretty glitzy stuff on the outside. But in terms of my business and where that's gone, I've gone from personal training to doing online coaching. I then got my first business coach because I was like, I just need to know what I'm doing. Like I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just posting and hoping and kind of had a rough package together. So that's when I first really knuckled down and was like, who do I want to help? What does that look like for me? What direction do I need to take this? That's when I first decided, like I was, I admitted to myself that I was passionate about women, which was scary to me in in my head. I was like, whoa, like 50% of the target audience are gone. Like But now I know how important and integral that was for my business for me to niche down. So I admitted I'm passionate about women. That's where my heart is. This is what I want to teach. And I developed Nourish and 90, which is the program I still teach today. And so I I did that really got my business up and running. I started attracting more dream clients and stuff like that. I then did coaching with more a manifestation mindset coach to kind of pick up on the mindset side of things. Um, And more recently, I just finished literally two weeks ago with another business coach, which was more about data, numbers, systems, and stuff like that. I am all creative. I'm all communication. I'm not data. I'm not numbers. I'm not Mm -hmm. systems. So I got that to support me. And and that's why I've grown so much in COVID. And I love how you said we can use this time to, to really turn inward. And I think that this is a huge opportunity for so many people to say, hang on a second, I can look at like what's scary in terms of you know, my work being a bit unstable or what's going on in the world right now. Or I can look at this as the universe giving me a message to say, Hey girl, here's some time and space. Here's some time and space to stop. Because if we didn't know what, what COVID was and what was happening right now, and all we knew is, Hey, you get some time away from work. You get to be home with your family more. We would have all wanted that. We would have all begged for that opportunity. And it's like, we've, we've got it. And so you, you can look at it, whatever angle you want to, but if you can use this as an opportunity to shift your perception and say, Hey, this is the universe giving me time and space in my life to really look at myself and and what I want to up level. And that's exactly what I did. So for quite a few months, I had been having feelings about wanting to let go of PT but I loved the clients I was working with. To be completely honest, I was only working with people that I loved and we were having laughs and it was a really good time, but the lifestyle wasn't right. And I was having a pull that it wasn't where I was supposed to be anymore. And it was really hard for me 
when you love who you're working with and you have fun, but your gut is like, girl, no, you're looking in the wrong direction. And so to be able to let that go was really hard. So I kept going, kept ticking along and like, obviously no real issues. But then when COVID happened and the gym was forced to shut down, I lost half of my income. I was about at where I was at in business was about 50% online, 50% PT. So I was like, whoa, I just lost half my income. And I sat down with my partner and I was like, I'm either going to drown or I'm going to swim. And so I was like, I had coincidentally, I had a business coach message me on Instagram, like reached out to me and it just felt right. And I got on a call and then I got off the call and I was like, this is, this is it. This is the one, this is really going to help me. And it was seven and a half thousand dollars. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) I've already spent last year. I spent over 10 K in coaching. And I was like, I just like COVID's happened. I lost half my income. And I'm supposed to somehow fork out seven and a half K, which I didn't have. So I actually (laughs) went back and was like, well, COVID, um, would you be happy for me to put down three and a half and then pay you two more installments of 2K over the next two months? And he was like, yep, that's fine. I had to take the money out of like my tax because I've never been a saver. I've never wanted to. It was never been a goal. So I'm I'm a big like spend and yeah, flow. I like, I just let money come in and come out. So I didn't really have savings and I was like, okay, I'm going to use this out of my tax savings, which means I have to make the money back to pay my tax bill basically. But I fully wholeheartedly believed and every time I've invested in myself, whether it be with a health and fitness mentor or a business mentor, every time I've spent money, it's flown like straight back into my life. So amazing. And so I worked with him. He gave me all of the systems and the, the bits that I felt I was missing. I really tried to step up. Um, I've been doing more meditation, more self-care and things like that. And being more in an attracting rather than a chasing kind of energy, letting it all flow, putting the systems in place, but trusting it's all coming back. And it absolutely has. I over doubled, nearly tripled my monthly revenue. So yeah, I would have, I think we just hit the financial year. And I think I nearly, I nearly, I was 10K short from tripling my income from the last financial year. And that was all, I would say majority of that was from the last quarter, the last three months. Mm-hmm. That's so good. That's so amazing. Mm-hmm. And I bet like, it's just such a shock to you as well, because you're like, how did I do this? And yeah, it's I'm day by day steps. Yeah. That's so amazing. So congrats. And I think it's really inspiring for women that don't really know where to go because when you are starting a business, especially when it is intuitively driven and you want it to feel good it's hard to know what's doing too much and what's not doing enough because we want to allow and we want to get into that magnetic energy where we attract what we need, but we also want to keep the momentum going by doing the right things. And that, yeah, I'm constantly in discussion with my intuition. Like, can I have a break today? What do I do? Like, should I be doing something about this? And your story is very similar to mine in terms of overdoing it because we want to control it and build it. And like actually stepping back and stopping and having a break. And COVID has definitely taught me to slow the fuck down because I I didn't actually realize how much of a control freak I was until I just looked at how crazy I just did everything and I would sacrifice how I felt about it. So Mm -hmm. then I would burn out and then I'd have these huge like breakdown moments because I was so exhausted from doing so much and giving so much of my energy. And it's because I never honored, I never honored it. So I think it's really beautiful, like bringing in that help. And the same thing the other day, I was on a phone call with my business coach in the morning and she was saying, Steph, you need to get your podcast editor in. And I was thinking, Oh, I don't know if I want to pay someone to do that right now. Like I could. And she's like, not your goal with this business is to have fun. And that isn't fun to you. So it's actually in the way. And when you start paying someone to do that, you'll have so much more time to, you know, do other things. And as I hung up the phone to her, I put my phone on charge and I just started editing a podcast. I went to go check my phone after I edited the podcast and I had the podcast editor contact me, like you said, like with the, and I just sat there yeah. because this was like three hours after that conversation, I was just editing away. I went and checked my phone and yeah, I had a podcast editor from the Philippines who edits my other friend's podcast. And it was a passing comment about two weeks ago where 
I said to his partner, who this is a guy who makes podcasts. I said to his partner, um, you know, I, yeah, I wouldn't mind a podcast editor. And she mentioned that her partner, Tom had an editor and I just thought, Oh, that's cool. And it was just seriously not a big discussion, but she happened to tell him about that. And he connected us as I had that conversation with my business coach. And I just thought, wow, that's a really big sign. And I can't, I can't ignore it. So yeah, now I'm getting a podcast editor and it's all of these things. They just keep coming to you as you expand. So really cool. And I also love that you're coming out of your spiritual closet too, because I think that's a huge part of the intuitive journey. And it's scary because we have been around so much masculine yang energy and almost, I feel like we were almost brainwashed into believing we had to be like that for the start of our lives. And this whole unlearning thing for us and peeling the layers off our ego was to fall into our intuitive surrender and allowing energy where we don't have to do anything, but we were so terrified of being lazy, so terrified of not having willpower to keep that discipline going. And it shows with our food first and definitely body image first, but it correlates into every other subject of our lives. Because if we have that much, if we feel like we have to control our diet that much, then how much do we need to control everything else as well? And that's where, yeah, I get so many clients, same sub, same thing, different subject, but they all, they all just want to get to a place of alignment where they don't have to think about what to do because they naturally just do what they feel is good. And it's that permission. And I know that we're talking about this in the podcast interview that you interviewed me on, on yours about this permission and pinching ourselves off from permission. So do you, do you want to share like a bit more about your spiritual journey and kind of how you came out of your closet there? Yeah, um, for sure. I basically, as a young girl, I was always spiritual, like from as little as I remember, like full woo-woo. Mum used to say, and I don't remember this, mum used to say that I would like talk to people all the time. And I was like, I have no recollection of that happening, but I was like really into it. And my mum was quite a spiritual person as well. And then um, we had a family friend who was like a psychic and would do tarot cards for us and stuff like that. Um, But then after my nan's passing, it got really next level because I was like really needed to feel as though I was still connected to her because that was a really hard time for me. So that's when I got into asking for signs and stuff like that. So I would used to ask for signs like, hey, nan, like if you're looking out for me, can you show me yellow roses? Because that was like one of my nan's favorite flowers. So lots of really random coincidences happened there. Just little side note. Like I remember one time my mum and I were sitting in the lounge room and we said, you know, Nan, if you're hanging around, show us a sign of yellow roses. And then the phone rang like immediately. And mum picked up and it was mum's friend. And she was like, do you want to come over for a coffee? And mum was like, oh, I've got Jess with me. And she's like, she can come, she can come over. So got in the car and we drove to mum's friend's house and we walked in and she had a coffee table with a thing of yellow roses on it. And it was like, Boom. So yeah, I was always really into spirituality. I used to do a lot of law of attraction stuff from really young age. The back of my wardrobe would have everything I was like visualizing and manifesting. And, you know, my family was really got into like the secret. So always been really spiritual. My girlfriends and I have had little tarot nights and stuff, but as I think uni, maybe uni stage work, hustle, corporate life, it just really washed away. It just went to the back seat, and then I got into a relationship, and then I'm, and then a new relationship, which is the one I'm in now. And my partner is very masculine energy, very go go go, very logic, very numbers and things like that. And he believes in the law of attraction, but more science. Like he needs, he needs to see, he needs the data, he needs the information. And I was like, he's a little woo, but I'm fucking woo woo. Like, and I think I really held that back from like, to be completely vulnerable, a fear that my partner wouldn't love that side of me. And then I just started getting this pull and this pull and this pull. And this is probably only in the last six months. It was like, girls, stop ignoring this part of you. It wants to come out. It wants to unleash itself. And I was like craving meditation and oracle cards and craving talking about woo-woo stuff. And I just said to my partner, I'm so woo-woo and I'm scared you're not going to like it. And he was like, I know you are. And I was like, yeah, but I'm scared you're going to think I'm weird. And he was like, no, like I love everything about you. And I was like, would you be weirded out if, you know, this stuff I go? He was like, no, like, why would you even question that? And 
it was everything I was internalizing about my own self and I was disguising it as my partner, but it was really how I was feeling about me. Yeah. And I just really allowed myself to trust to just trust that it was okay and that I was safe to express myself. And the more the woo came out, the more everything else, like my external world just started falling into place as well, just starting to attract better friends and similar clients and, you know, yeah, just making better, deeper connections. And so, yeah, I, I'm way more open to it now, but it's, it's been like, yeah, little girl suppressed and then now coming back out and, and yeah, so it's been nice. No, I love, I love that because I, when I was a little girl, I loved fairies and I loved magic and I really thought I was magic. And then you just forget about that part of you for whatever reason through school, or it's just not accepted in that friendship group. And you're trying to fit in that you, yeah, just forget about this magical side of you that made you feel so special as a little girl that just felt silly in that environment. And then you just forget about it. And then you come back and you're like, Whoa, all I'm doing is remembering my six-year-old self, remembering how she had fun, what she did in her downtime, because how she had fun is my new self-love routine. So it's, you know, we've always had it. We've always known we're we're naturally instinctively as women, multidimensional beings, and we are in multiple places at once. And it's really closing your eyes and understanding energy. And when you understand energy, you can build the energetic world. And then you realize the physical reality is a consequence of that. And that is the law of attraction that you're saying. And I literally look at when I meditated and I asked, um, I asked my intuition, can you tell me the meaning of life? And at, at that point, I didn't know what I saw. Like I, I wasn't educated enough on the spiritual science of things to understand that I went and I instantly was under in this world of, it was like a library of lights. And I get told now it's the Akashic records. And I was, I've always been really open-minded and I can go to all these crazy places in my meditations. But again, I, I felt uncomfortable and judged that part of me. So I didn't really express that either. And I went into this world and I, it was just the energy world. And I understood energy. I saw lights and I saw that this library of energy, I could reach in and it was the all knowings, like every knowing that you could possibly think of. You want to know it, then it's there. And it was just, and it looked like a barcode sequence of just as far as you could look up, as far as you could look left, down and right. It was the knowings of the, the universe, all the secret. And I could pick any barcode book of energy that I wanted, but it it zoomed out and there was like this sheath over it, which is the illusion, the human illusion. So you could, from the library of lights, when I turned around, I could see everything. But when I went into this sheath, it was just like only certain books were pulled out of this library. And it was almost like this dance of lights and energy that would make almost like a recipe of a cake is what I was seeing. And then all of a sudden I saw this light and an opening and it was the human eye. So it was showing me that this recipe of energy that I'd created was projecting through my eyes. And I understood that the physical reality was a matrix and all a projection of this inner world. And in that moment, it freaked me the fuck out. Cause I was like, Oh my God, no one's going to understand this. No one believes me. And I'm like, is reality real? Like what's going on? But in that as well, I understood that everything I projected through my eyes, every person in my reality was mirroring what I'd created internally. So if I felt embarrassment or shame, I would have people in my life that provoked those feelings because they're telling me that's what I'm energetically doing. And so I understood mirroring from quite a young age as well. And when you are that deep and you have the depth of understanding oneself that much, it's really hard to feel like other people are like you. And it's funny because you don't have to know someone's like you on an understanding level. Like I don't have to ask you, Hey, do you understand energy? Like that story it's feeling into your intuition. It's like, no, you have that depth and that's my truth on how I interpret energy. And it's how my subconscious tells me the story of what energy means to me, but your story of energy 
and what it means to you might come to you a totally different way, but the depth is in your frequency because we attract each other. Like you attract who and what you are, like law of attraction, the more you get into, like, I love it so, so much. I know you do too. You always talk about it, but I would love to know if you've had like any, what's like the most woo-woo experience that you've had that you haven't really talked about before? Oh, the most woo-woo experience I've had. I wouldn't even put it down to an experience. I mean, I've had signs of like, if you want to go, I know there's like spirituality in terms of energy. If you want to go into spirituality in terms of spirituality, I've had like woo-woo stuff happen when I was younger that I look back and I can't explain. And I'm like, now I look back and I'm like, something happened energetically there. But I've just more had little moments add up over time in terms of like through the law of attraction or synchronicities and stuff like that happening where I was like, you know, would have a picture of something on my vision board and then it would just happen or things like that. But I think mine's just been more of a a growing and understanding of energy. And I think a lot of people start hearing about it. And even that story that you just said, they would put that in the too hard basket of, I don't understand. So, and, and I think this is where the whole word of like conspiracy theory comes from. All people say conspiracy theory, all that really is, is I don't like that truth. So I'm going to pretend it's not real. That's, Mm -hmm. that's all it is when it's in actual fact, well, what if this was true? And this is what I really try to get across to people in terms of energy and manifestation or law of attraction is you don't get to choose. So many things people think like, oh, I get to choose whether I'm a spiritual person or I get to choose whether I believe in manifestation or energy. And it's like, you don't get to decide this is science and this, <laughs> this exists. Just whether you're looking at it or looking into it or looking into yourself and how you're utilizing that to live your, live your best life or whether you're dismissing it and letting life happen to you. So what I say is like energy is completely real and you can either take it and you can go in manual and you can create the life that you want by, by sitting in the car and jumping in manual or you cannot look at it, but it's still going to happen. It's just that your life's going to land by default. So it's like, do you want everything to happen to you by default or do you want to get to choose? And I love what you said in terms of even like the lights and the all knowing and stuff like that and being able to tap into, tap into that energy of what that even means. And as humans, we really like the way our brain is designed is it's, it defaults to negative and it defaults to negative because it helps you survive. So if you're always on edge to look for the bad stuff, well, the benefit of always looking for the bad stuff means that you can stay safe. But if you're were to be default, your brain was to be default to look for the positives on a survival level in terms of human survival and, and evolution and stuff, there's not a lot of bon- benefit to looking for the positives because that's not keeping you safe. So Yes. There's no certainty. And our brain, we are designed and and all animals and all beings have a sense of survival and wanting to survive. So our way to survive is to look for the negative so we can stay safe. But if you actually get prepared to override that and start looking for the positives and looking deeper beyond just being a body surviving and just being a human in a body surviving and what it actually means to be here. And if you actually take a step back and you're like, what kind of blows my mind is I'm like, hang on a second jobs, money, buildings, expectations, should do, shouldn't do's, all of that is learned. None of that is knowing. Not, Not any part of that is knowingness. That's learned entirely where you should go to school, what good, what job is good, what job is not good. How should you dress? What should you look like? Everything in our external world is all learned behavior from a very, very young age. And if you take a look and you say, well, what if I unlearned everything I've ever learned about what is right and what is wrong and who I am. Like if you were to introduce someone and you couldn't tell them what job you are and they couldn't see you in your black room, well, who are you then? Mm -hmm. Who are you if you met someone in a pitch black room, they couldn't see you and you weren't allowed to talk about where you live, what you own or what you do for work? Who are you then? What's left, right? And the way I look at it as well in terms of helping my clients is, and I, I think we spoke about this on the podcast as well, is not being your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And the way I describe it is I'm like, sit with me for a second and think about when you're thinking, think mm-hmm. about when you're sitting there and you're thinking, you're thinking about stuff, but you're not the thought that's thinking you're sitting back, observing the thoughts, thinking what you feel about what you're thinking is what's coming up. So you're like, okay, well, if I'm not the thinker, I'm just the observer of the thought. 
then who am I? Mm-hmm. And who you are is your soul. And it's like, there's this video by Jim Carrey. I'm pretty sure it was Jim Carrey who's amazing. And I can't remember if we talked about this as well, um, where he was like, okay, well, if I cut off my, my hand, am I still me? Yes. Okay. Well, if I lost my leg, would I still be me? Yes. What if I lost all of my limbs? Would I still be me? Yeah. What if I needed a heart transplant and my heart got changed over? Am I still me? Yeah. Okay. Well, what then? What makes me me? If you can cut off all of my arms and all of my legs and you can change my heart and, uh, my heart and I can have a liver transplant and a kidney transplant and potentially a brain transplant and all, you can take my eyes and all of this stuff, well, what's me then, mm-hmm. right? We're not our physical body and we're not the mind. We are the soul. All the mind does is no different to the heart. The heart's designed to, you know, pump blood and all that kind of stuff. The brain is designed to think. Mm-hmm. You're not the thinker, you're just the soul, yeah, which has a brain which thinks. Mm-hmm. So all you are is a soul and what's left behind that. And when you look at energy in terms of putting it under a microscope, and if you actually allow yourself to learn about quantum physics and how the world comes to being and understanding that everything is energy. And I'm pretty sure it was Joe Dispenza who talks about if you were to get an atom under a microscope, that you yes. could get it microscopic and you were to scale it to the size of an apple. So if you got a tiny microscopic atom and scaled it to the size of an apple within the human body, the next apple would be, I might get the figure wrong, but it's something like seven kilometers away. So then if an atom was to the size of an apple and the next apple is seven kilometers away, what's in all the empty space? Connected there. Under- consciousness. Yeah. It's so consciousness. Cool. And, and it's like we're actually that, not that um, whole. Yeah, but that that is consciousness. Consciousness is it's the space, it's the magnetic pull that even though it's seven kilometers away, it's still connected. And you're like, yes. but how is it connected? They're not touching. And it's like, because there there's a pull there and it doesn't make sense. Consciousness doesn't make sense. You can try and articulate self-love all you want, but you'll never be able to to articulate the self-love, the feeling, the the high vibe you get in that gratitude burst and crying and feeling all that love in yourself. It's it's you can't articulate it because it doesn't make sense. It's just feeling and that's what we are. We're here to feel and as women go inward in our life and I love you how you explained identity because identity is essentially us attaching to who we think we are. And when that dies, that's just our ego dying, but people think it's our, it's ourselves dying because we think that's who we are. And I love that you said, who are we? And I, I had a mentor, like a guru, like a spiritual mentor say to me one time, he said, if you lost your job, you lost all your money and you, yeah, had to show up and tell someone who you were, who or who you are. Like, who are you without all of these, without all of these things? And I said, I'm nothing. And he said, Yeah, which also means, and I said, I'm I'm also everything. Because when you get to a place where you are comfortable being nothing, you know that the on the same stick on the opposite end is everythingness. So there's nothingness and everythingness. So how do you want to look at this? If you're nothing you have a blank canvas to create a person of whoever you want to be in every single moment. And how exciting is that? And that was actually in my first podcast of my story when I went to my hypnotherapist and I had my breakdown when I had my first depression, mental health dip of like, who the fuck am I? It was, I was terrified because I realized I was nothing and I thought it was a bad thing. It was just, it was the meaning I gave that nothingness was oh my God, this is horrible. There's something wrong with me. But then the person I am now is I'm like, how liberating that I'm nothing because that means I can be everything I want to be. And it's such a really pivotal mindset shift to unidentify and detach emotionally from who you think you are. And I love that you just worded it all exactly like that because I think every time you re-explain these topics, there's so many aha moments to so many people Mm -hmm. listening because it's a different, we explain it differently every time. And 
all we are doing as souls is remembering. So all of these aha moments, we're not teaching people, we're helping them remember who they are. We're just talking about what they already know. And that's so cool because as guides, like I, I don't even think the word, I was actually reflecting this morning, the word coach. I was like, I don't want to, I love the word coach more than like mentor or, you know, all the other words or therapist or facilitator, like facilitator is a good one too, but it's more, we guide people back to themselves because we don't want them to see us forever. All we want them to do is realize all the mindsets we've moved through, show them how to move through them. And then they can go be the soulful self. And I just think it's really beautiful. The example you're setting with what you do with your podcast, showing women in business and you're really creating a lane. Like it's not even, you know, how people say you've got to disdain your own lane. It's hard. It was hard for me to listen to that concept at the start because I was like, but I don't even know what my lane is. So yeah. if you don't know what it is, you have to create it. And the way to create it is to reflect on your journey, how far you've come and look back on who you wished you had lead you back at that point in your life. And that's who you want to become for the world. And really, I was actually in my meditation yesterday asking, what's the point of all this? Like, what's the point of this drive and like my, this consciousness chase that I'm in to like up level, like, why am I doing this? And the answer was to be the best mum. And I was like, whoa, that's really like a cool kind of, it makes sense because then you're a conscious mum and you create a conscious kid who creates a conscious impact. And all we're doing is to be the best mom, we have to guide our children back to themselves. And what better way to know that if that's what you do, if that's your self-talk, because yeah, if you, you treat people, how you treat yourself. So the reason I'm so obsessed with self-love and loving myself is I know that as soon as I, and I feel like I'm already self-loving to be honest, like I feel really open and the best I've ever felt. And COVID is the best thing to happen to me personally, because it's really forced me to slow down and look at all of the triggers of why it would bother me that we're slowing down. Like, of course, like restaurants are closed and things, but also it's great because I don't get FOMO and I can work on a few things that I've been putting to the side for ages now, you know, like there's no distractions and the no distractions just help you get more on path. And I just, I'm really excited for, I just think this whole conversation has already had so many mind blowing epiphanies for people, but with your relationship with Oscar, I think that's a really beautiful thing as well. Bringing him in, in that masculine energy, really scientific. And I, I've noticed men love suffering. They love the grind and they love fast manifestation on a physical level. They, they love building an empire like that. They're on an outward journey. That's the masculine energy, but women were on this inward journey, but for so long, we're distracted thinking it has to be outward. But if we just go inward, the outwardness comes naturally because I think alignment is the best of both. But as a woman, if we are suppressing this spiritual side of us, which is just our soul, if we're suppressing that journey, then it's painful. And what has to die, the ego has to die, which is why it's painful, which really the pain is just the ego death. But once you surrender to it and you get better every time, like there's all so many masks, we're unlearning years, like you said, our whole lives, we're literally unlearning everything we've learned and trying to let it go to create who we really feel we are. And that's a courage and bravery. Every client that comes to us has, but doesn't see. And all we have to do is guide them back to seeing that. And when they do, and they, it's not even seeing and knowing it, they know it, they know it consciously, but unconsciously they're wired to not feel it and not connect with that and talk themselves out of it. So it's, we are so, I love like our journeys and watching you grow when I'm like, yes, you're doing that. And I look up to you and I'm like, oh my God, I need to do that too. And again, like, it's really cool as like an intimate, like friendship, like watching you grow and watching what you mirror back to me and like you're doing, because you're creating your own lane and I'm creating my own lane too. There are the correlations though, of building a, a business, a sole business and coaching yeah. and all of it. And I suppose going back to Oscar and like your relationship in that masculine, external and feminine internal, how have you, when you first met, were you, because you said obviously in the last six months, you've 
come more into the woo-woo and expressing that side of yourself. But when you first met, how has your relationship evolved more consciously over time where you realized you were projecting on each other and mirroring and those kind of discussions of like, Hey, this is how I feel rather than you make me feel this way. Because I think that's a huge shift in relationships that settle. They're like, Oh, he made me feel there's so much blame and people don't really understand the conscious dynamic of a relationship that I know you guys share and have evolved over time. So did you want to explain more about that? Yeah, I honestly think we, I think the universe really delivered us to each other at the right time. Like, I think that I accidentally manifested Oscar for sure after I got out of my last relationship, which was a good relationship, like my a really, really good person, like a really, really loving person. Nothing was bad in my relationship. It was just the pull away from it saying, this isn't what it is, yeah. which was the hardest thing to do when so much of our external world is, is chasing the, the should do's. Um, so having to move away from the, this is what I should do to just going with my gut in terms of there's something else. And when I came out of that, I said, I said to my mom, if I've got out of this good relationship, I'm not getting in another one unless it's perfect. Like it has to just be the one because I've just walked away from one, which was already fine, you know? So my mom said to me, you know, like write a letter to the universe and and bring it about, which is what my mom had done before she met her partner. So I got a piece of paper and I wrote everything I needed in a partner. Like I got so like everything. I wanted him to have a good family. I wanted him to be ambitious. I wanted him to like gym. I wanted him to be able to uh, sympathize and empathize with me. I wanted him to be understanding, a communicator, like all of these things. And I wrote it on a piece of paper and I went outside and did a ritual where I like burned it. And the burning was like, I don't need to keep coming back to this letter because I trust that you'll deliver when the time is right. That's so beautiful. That's really yeah. Yeah. So I, I did that and I was like, like, please universe, like don't bring someone to me until this is who they are and what I need. And yeah, so I burnt it and let it go. And then I, my mom and I pulled that afternoon, a t- like a tarot deck and the, the one that came out in the future was a new relationship. And I, and I laughed because I'd just done that thing. And I was like, yeah, right. I've literally just got out of this relationship. And it was only three weeks later that I met Oscar and I had come out of a three and a half year relationship three weeks previously. He'd come out of an almost six year relationship about six weeks previously, very fresh. He was so emotionally unavailable and I was kind of like in that middle, I don't really want this, but I had a pull that, hey, don't stuff this up just just because of the timing and understanding that timing actually isn't anything other than what we've created time to be and society's expectations of how long is enough time and so we spoke for a long time. When we finally got into a relationship, there were a lot of triggers because we had, because there hadn't been the time, there was a lot of stuff where it was triggering the contrast of what was in my previous relationship. So in my previous relationship, I was maybe more the masculine energy. I was more the stubborn, stubborn one. And if, you know, we didn't agree on something, well, I'm not coming to you. He would come to me and stuff like that. Whereas with Oscar, we were both stubborn. So it was like really triggering because I'm like, well, why aren't I getting the attention back to me? Like, why are you not apologizing first to me? That was really triggering and understanding that I just from the get go had it in a knowing that I didn't want to stuff this up. And as I said, if I was doing another relationship, I was really going to do it right. And at the same time, I was kind of focusing on a lot of self-development and stuff. So we actually sat down together and we were like, we had a really open conversation where we were like, this is like, you can't get angry at the other person. Like we're doing this or we're not doing this. And we sat down and we, we said, what's something that we can improve upon ourselves to improve the dynamic of our relationship. And we both came back and said, you're too stubborn. (laughs) to the other person, which was ironic. And we were like, okay, well, where does stubbornness stem from? Like what is being stubborn? And we were like, being stubborn is having an ego, a flat ego, right? You're not, you're not wanting to be vulnerable. So your, your garden, all of these things. And we were like, okay, well, to be less stubborn, I need to allow my ego to die. So we just worked on one of the questions that I used. um, And I've spoken about this on my podcast before. One of the questions I use in a lot of moments is when something triggers me, how would I feel if I had no ego? 
And so in that moment, I catch myself and I say, well, if I didn't have an ego, I wouldn't need to be right right now. And so, well, if I didn't need to be right, what's left? Love. So in that moment, if we were having a disagreement and I was to say, what would I do if I had no ego? Well, I wouldn't need to be right. And if I don't need to be right, what's left within this conversation? Love. And then what would love make me do? Love love would make me look at my partner and say, like, I see you and go and just give him a hug and it's over. And so that was probably the first thing we ever took. And then that allowed for, and then um, we would do that every couple of months. We would check and say, what do you need from me to create a better dynamic within this relationship? And so one thing I said to Oscar was I said, I'm a communicator. I need to talk everything through. Whereas he's a bit more, I need to go walk away. I need to go for a drive or I need it. And I said, I need to talk this out. And so I said to him, I know communication makes you uncomfortable, but to improve the dynamic of our relationship, I need you to meet me halfway with communication. Like I need you to try and articulate how you feel. So he would sit there squirming like, oh, I feel like this. And he would just hate it. Um, but he got better and better and better. And now he's just like, can articulate his thoughts and feelings like that. And we just really bounce back. And every time we do that, it's, you can't get angry at the other partner for what they say, or you're completely missing the point of, of what it's about. So we really make sure we check ourselves and we are growing and evolving together. We're allowing each other to have our own needs met whilst meeting our needs together. And I think Oscar just really, a lot of that comes really natural. He really sees that my first, every business coach I've ever had, especially my first business coach, when I wanted to invest in it, he would have given me the money. Like he earns a lot more than I do. He would have hundred percent paid for it, but he didn't even offer. And after we spoke about it and I was like, what do you think? And I was like, I'm going to do this. After I transferred the money, the second I said, I just transferred the money, he said, you know, I would have offered you the money. And I said, I know, but I needed to do this for myself. And he said, that's why I didn't offer it. So he's always understood where to let me learn on my own and where I'm struggling and he needs to come and and meet me. So I think that's so it's beautiful just, and it's so, yeah. so new. And I know, especially like people with Oscar in the public eye, they would assume that he pays for you and you'd get this judgment. And it's like, no, I'm building myself. And the reason you both work is because you are, you haven't picked each other like a flower. You have accepted each other's growth and you just pour water on each other. Like there's no... Yeah. It's like, I know that you can grow and what you're growing into is beautiful. And I don't need to pick you and let you grow into, you know, what I, only the beauty I allow you to be. I'm going to watch you do it and just stand with you. And I think that is love. That is a love that we don't really see and we don't have many role models. And I think it's really beautiful that you're coming out and I can see that you and Oscar are going to do a podcast together soon and talk more about like conscious coupling. And it's such a beautiful space because it's redefining what love actually is because a lot Mm. of people don't think it's possible and a lot of people don't know their ego and they're just so used to projection and blaming and not taking accountability for their feelings. And this, this conscious couple dynamic is a whole other ball game. Because when you take accountability for how you feel, you open yourself up to feel more love because consciousness yeah. is love. And it's, it's really powerful and such a, a different dynamic of relationship. Like it's a different type of intimacy. Like he's literally seeing you, like you're vulnerable, like without ego, we, it's just soul. So it's like, yeah. you know, and when, And the scary part about showing your soul is you have a fear that your soul will be rejected or abandoned. And in that, that's why we have an ego to protect that. That's why we look like we don't care when we really do. And, but the thing is our energy is always different because if our energy says we care and our words aren't aligning, we, we're all empathic. Like there's no such thing as someone's an empath and someone isn't. We all are. We can all feel if someone isn't a person of integrity, which is just what comes out of their mouth matches their energy. And as a conscious relationship, that's what you're doing. You're saying, Hey, right now your energy says this, but your words say this. And it's that mirror and having someone without, you know, who's worked on their shame and who's worked on taking things personally to actually be like, yeah, like I am not, I'm not aligned right now. And thank you for showing me so I can get aligned. 
And that's another really beautiful growth avenue too. And with your business coach and obviously Oscar helps you with your business as well. Have you noticed some main differences in how you approach business? Like what, how you feel you want to do business and how he does business and what the main differences are as male and female? Uh, yeah, Oscar, um, is faster. So a lot of the time Oscar will tell me something and I'll, I'll take it on, but I won't execute. And then I'll get a business coach and my business coach will tell me something that Oscar told me to do three months ago. And then finally I execute. And it's always like, and and he, he never gets upset about it, but he always says like, you always do stuff that I've told you to do like three months later. And I'm like, yeah, because I wasn't ready when you told me. So just letting him honor that he's got the strategy. He moves fast and he moves quick and he applies on things. I move on and I execute when it feels good for me, not just what's what's right based on numbers. But I think there's this video by Tony Robbins. I think this was huge for me. He's like, he does this. He talks about love and he, and he says, this lady's like talking about her partner and he says, we say we love people, but it's like, I love you so long as you're home on time, the dishes are done so long as you don't do this and you don't do that. And this is what you do do. And he's like, that's not unconditional love. That's loving conditionally. And I would say 95% of people right now are walking around in conditional loving relationships. And what that means is you love your partner so long as they meet your conditions. But in actual fact, unconditional love, which is what we all truly want, is loving someone regardless of what your conditions are and letting them have their own conditions. So I think a lot of people, you know, maybe couldn't be in a relationship with me and they couldn't be in a relationship with Oscar because it wouldn't meet their conditions. So they couldn't be with Oscar because he works too much and you work too much and you get up too early and you come home too late and I've got dinner for you. And it's like me sitting back. And as you said, I'm not picking the flower. It's like, he enjoys work and he enjoys being in that masculine energy. And this is the time he wants to come up and this is the time he wants to come home. And this, this is the person he's evolving to become. And I hold space for him why he becomes who he wants to be. Yes. And he holds space for me why I, I become who I am. And yes, there's a fine line between, Hey, this thing you're doing is making me feel this way, but it's not exactly as you said, like earlier in the podcast, it's not, you're doing this thing. It's, Hey, this thing that's happening is making me feel like this. Mm -hmm. And that's been really hard for me too on my journey in terms of the ego coming back to that in terms of sometimes saying something and, you know, Oscar being like, well, where did that come from? And me, and me stopping myself and asking the question, why did I say that thing? And then maybe I'll stop and literally be so vulnerable in saying, I think I said that because when you said that it brought out this insecurity in me. Yeah. And so yeah. yeah, just really being able to own, own everything in its entirety and allow yourself to actually be vulnerable. Um, and I think too many people are afraid to be fully vulnerable. It's like they, they will come halfway, but they won't get, Work at what it is because you can only really yeah. get the depth of what you allow yourself in yourself. And if you, and that's why it's so important to get to know your soul, because if you don't, you'll only offer someone the capacity of what you know about yourself to them. So they'll only know that superficial surface level you, but if you go yeah. deeper, you offer them the depth and they can meet you, they meet you there. And it's a depth of love that is like a dream come true. Like it doesn't feel like a possibility until it you've opened yourself up to that frequency and it's so beautiful. And exactly like, I love that you just checked so many boxes for me with, with business with my dad, when I was running a business and my dad, why I felt like a failure is he was like 300 steps ahead of me. I'm happy to do like two, three things a day. I don't need, like he wanted a hundred things done yesterday. And I remember, and I did it and I got it done. And we, you know, six times the business in 18 months. And that's great but I left that with the mindset that I can't do it alone because I'm not going to be able to do it that way. I can't maintain that pace. Like that pace is so fast and my pace would be so much slower. So could I do that? And that's the transition into my business now. It's like, I just, I, exactly that. And everything that my dad or business coaches tell me, I usually do it like three months later when it feels good, but we just yeah. want to feel good. 
So it's like, yeah. why it's the, it's our process is feeling good. So if it doesn't feel good to do a hundred things in a day and it just feels good to do one, we're going to do it that way. And I think that's really honoring our feelings. And when we honor them, our partners do. And that's yeah. really beautiful that yeah, Oscar business, like a man for men is beautiful and society yeah. really encourages it. And that's what our society is like right now. But as a woman, especially if you, if you have male role models, it's so easy to think that success is doing what they do. And then you exactly. And we don't want to be codependent on a partner for finances. And we want to make, you know, become our own boss woman and be independent. But there is a fine line between independence and closing off our heart to letting someone help us or just letting ourselves help ourselves and listen to how we feel and honor our pace I think that's the the biggest thing is permission to feel good. When you give yourself true permission to feel good, you honor your pace. And when you honor yeah. your pace, there's nothing to stress about because you trust yeah. your pace, you trust yourself and you trust that the universe provides for you. So really, really beautiful conversation today. So really grateful to have you on and just talk all things, yeah, relationships and consciousness and just business, all the things. I just, I love it. Yeah. So the mix. Love it. Such a good mix. And so excited to see where you go in even the next six months. I feel like it's really shifting quite quickly now. And mm. systems are beautiful. Like you said, like I love systems, but the building of a system is so tedious and you just re- you put it on the last of your to-do list. But once you have them in place in that moment, it, it compounds over time. I look at growth and like business building. It's like, every post you do, every content creation, every system you put in place, you don't have to go back and recreate that. Like it's done, it's there. And you're just constantly compounding. So there isn't a rush, especially like what you're doing now, you found your life calling. You're just going to constantly evolve it over time. So there's no rush. Like there's no finish to this. You're just going to keep, you know? Um, So I think you're really helping so many people, not just by what you're doing, but, but just by being who you are because you allow others to be like, Oh, cool. I just need to be me too. And that's all we're really here to do. So really powerful, really proud of you. And just (laughs) thank you lucky for connecting with you because yeah, you're just a beautiful person and it just radiates all around you and you just attract beautiful people. So thank you. And right back at you, obviously that's why I had you on my podcast as well. Um, totally, definitely glad we crossed paths. So glad, so glad. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Think You podcast. I hope you feel magic. I hope you feel inspired. And I hope you feel a stronger sense of self. My goal is to connect with each and every one of you. So if this episode resonated, please let me know by messaging me directly over Instagram. I don't care so much for public recognition or reviews. I want to know you and I want to know your story. Your soul is expanding and the power of who you really are is cracking wide open. I'm so excited to see your journey unfold. This is just the beginning.